What's up, everybody? Jim Cavell here, and I am happy to not only be joined by my co-host, Shannon Terry, but my good friend, Craig Young, who just so happens to have a son doing some things in college football and just so happens to know a little bit about NIL. So we're going to talk all about that. And Craig, so happy you took the time to, to join us today in our Birmingham studios. I'm going to send it over to Nashville to Shannon and get us started here in this uh, awesome interview. Appreciate you, Jim. Uh, Craig, thank you so much for being here today. Let's just lay the groundwork uh, right from the start here and just tell us general feelings from a college athlete. What's your perspective just generally on NIL? Um, okay. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure to be here to talk about this. Um, I know this this can be a complex sub, um, subject. Um, generally, my general feeling about NIL generally is I think um, it is a it is a good thing. I don't think it's the I don't think it's the, it's the boogeyman. I don't think it's this this scary scary thing that's going to um, destroy the fabric of college football. And all this thing. So I think it's an opportunity for um, athletes to be. Uh, compensated for their name, image, and likeness, which um, frankly has been a long time coming. And there's a lot of uh, people who have profited from athlete, from from athletics and from sports, from um, from um, administrators to coaches. And 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 I have absolutely no problem with that. I feel like whatever the market bears, then um, that should be fair from everyone. However, um, I think there needs to be some you know some tweaks, some guardrails, some oversight, some education. Um, that's needed, but I generally I think that it's in keeping of of what we've been all been taught what a free market um, society should be. So, so in that vein, there are only thirteen or fourteen states it's allowed at the high school level. Um, what's your what's your perspective? You know, go back a few years. You know, say Bryce in high school. Do you think that same uh, luxury should be afforded for high school kids, or you know, do you think just at the college level? That's a great question. Um, I hesitate to, um, that's a great question. I think I, I will answer it like this. Um, if you're a child actor or a child pianist and you have a, and you have a gift and a skill in um, any other state, you're, you would be complicated, you would be compensated for that. Um, and I think, a high school athlete is who is who um, his skills, his profile, his work is being able to garner that attention. Um, again, I feel that we live in a society where um, where we compensate and for for the ability to um, have partnerships, for the ability to make money. So I don't think that. Um, if we have it in California, or if we have it in certain states, then we should have it in those states, or that it should be uniform for all states. Because I think um, at the end of the day, it's oversight. Now, my hesitation and my pause for that was not because of NIL and the concept of compensating compensating athletes in high school. My pause was the cottage industry that could be manifest by that, where, where we're having. Um, people who sometimes don't have the athlete's best interest at heart, targeting families and young kids at middle schools and all that stuff because they they, they see the, the potential NIL deals. So those are the things that give me pause. However, generally speaking, I don't have an issue with um, NIL in high school. Yeah, Craig, I think the, the reality is, is 
if you're already thinking about your brand in high school, you're getting yourself ready for college. NIL is already live in college today, right? And so there were a lot of things that that you did and how you and Bryce strategized preparation for going to a school like Alabama that have helped him really have an NIL business that's successful, but still helps him keep the main thing, the main thing. Just talk about that strategy, how you came, you know, to, to, to that foundation um, and, and just, just help the, the listeners understand that, you know, football is still number one. Absolutely. So before you can have a brand, you have to have a product that, um, that performs or that excels to the point that a brand wants to partner with. So I've, a lot of times people fit, are more focused on the brand than the substance that would lead people to want to partner with your brand. So what I mean by that was for us, it was never about let's create a brand. What it was about was let's be really good at, um, at football. Let's really um, let's be really good at our craft. And then as parents, it was about let's really be the best parents that we can be. And let's really try to instill um, um, the best values we can. And we're not perfect. We're not perfect people, we're perfect parents. But our, our, our object was our our. Um, our main goal was to try to be the best parents we can be and raise the best child we can be and um, surrounded with values. And for us, it was Christian values, but also surrounded with the best coaching. And then from there, if the athletics takes care of themselves and you excel to a point that um, you are performing at a high level and you get some attention, then it's a natural transition. You don't have to create anything. It's already there. The foundation's already there. And that's kind of what happened with us. And also what made our situation a little bit easier was for us, and this isn't everybody's situation, I understand that, but for us, we were blessed to be able to um, play on teams that are already established brands in themselves. Um, youth football, we played at a, a high level travel um, youth program, the, the IE Ducks. High school, we played at modern day. And then here in Alabama, you play, you know, it's Alabama. So at those points, if you perform well, all eyes are kind of on you anyway, and it helps to it helps to um, it helps to push your brand forward, but we didn't really have this, design, this big branding design. So it was just about be a be a great person and perform, and then I think those things kind of fall in place. You know, we're one of the things that we, when Jim and I said we want to do this podcast, we really wanted to target, you know, and, and and give as much you know information as we could to athletes. And the one thing that we would love to know is there are so many companies, there are so many people out there looking to do things for athletes and in the case with bryce young so many different opportunities how in the heck do you guys screen everything that comes in you know all the inbound stuff because when it becomes a distraction you know or when you know ill intent starts playing how you know and i know he's got a good situation here but how do you guys screen for that and what advice would you give other parents you know in this same situation Absolutely. So first and foremost, my advice would be do not be in a hurry. And oftentimes in, um, in, in relationships and when people who come and talk to you about, I can be a marketing representative, I can be someone, you really need to vet who is involved with your, with, with your, with your athlete. Um, secondarily, um, like anything, like any company, any corporation, you need to have a board, you need to have a, a trusted set of advisors, trusted set of people that you can bounce ideas off of. You feel have 
your family's best interest in part. And then also ask a lot of questions. If anyone tells you that they are the expert on, on NIL or expert or anything like that, I mean, NIL is changing all the time. So um, you always want to make sure that you ask questions and whoever you get involved with, do the research behind them. And then also have fundamental values. Have your, your, your non-compromisables. What are you about? What is your family about? Where do you want to go? Um, what are some of the things that you that you that that you value? What are some of the opportunities that you value? What do you, what do you want to give back to the community? What do you want um, people to know about you and your family and your son or daughter? Have those, and then make sure that everyone that you let in your circle is aligned with your core fundamentals and values. And then also, but most um, one of the most amazing words in this is no. You got to be able to say no. You got to be able to say no and wait for, wait for the best opportunity because sometimes um, there's a lot of power in that. When you stand for something and maybe it's a great opportunity, but that's not aligned with are, then we say no. And then you start building integrity and you start building, um, start building that respect. So that's, so for us, those are kind of the, kind of the values because we've turned down more um, opportunities such an NIL than we've, than we've accepted. Because for us, it can't just be about accumulation of deals and, and, and money, because that's not what we got into this for. Yeah, Craig, I think from a regulatory standpoint, um, when you look at where NIL was when, when this thing started out of nowhere, a little over a year ago, um, to where we are today, you know, there's states like Alabama who had a law for NIL back then and today that law has been repealed. There's other states who've passed new laws or um, you know, amended their laws. Uh, how much do you keep up with the regulatory side of NIL? Obviously collectives have emerged um, as, a, as a method mm -hmm. for student athletes to be able to monetize their NIL. That didn't exist at the beginning. How do you keep up with all this stuff? I, I keep up with it more than you would think because um, in the position that we are, I get asked a lot um, by other by other parents, other parents of um, of elite athletes or um, even other college athletes because I think we've done some things pretty well in NIL, so um, I'm always there to, to help. So I, I keep I kind of keep abreast of what's going on. Of the lands the landscape is 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 changing, and then for us, our our experience with NIL is a little bit different because. When we made our decision to go to Alabama, NIL was not in the picture at all, nor was our collective or anything. It was strictly about what school do we fill, um, what education also preparing the best to compete and to potentially um, play at a higher level. That was it. Now, um, when you make decisions, and, 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 that's, and, and there's no judgment in this, but when you make these decisions, NIL and collectives and all that stuff are now part of decisions on where um, young men are going to attend school. So with that, I've had a lot of a lot of questions and answers about that. So I do keep I do keep abreast of what's going on. Craig, that that's exactly what I was about to ask you. You know, the the quarterback dominoes in recruiting, you know, one one falls and they all kind of start falling. What advice do you give these, you know, say your top 200 kids when looking at schools? How much should NIL play in that? I mean, I know that's a little bit of a controversial there's so many factors that, that go into you know why an athlete chooses a school where does nil sit in that in your mind for the elites that is a that is a, that is a fantastic question i'm glad you asked that 
Um, I'm not going to sit here and um, be in judgment and say, hey, if NIL is the number one reason why you're there, because every family has circumstances, we don't know what that means. And, and um, there's all kinds of different motivations. There's intrinsic motivation, there's financial motivation, there's all these things. So I'm not here to say which one's right or wrong. With that said, um, when what my advice would be is like, um, one, when you're picking a school, um, what are your goals? If your goal is to develop a career that's going to potentially take you to the higher level, um, then the NIL money that you may be making or could make, though substantial, would pale into comparison with what an NFL contract would be, especially for quarterbacks for that career. So don't lose sight of the long-term goal. Or say like if you want to go to school and it provides you a great education, and you make and you meet great alumni, and you set you and it, it, it sets you up to have an amazing life after school, where you can potentially do very well. Don't lose sight of that over um, what the collective package would be. So my thing is looking at it holistically. Yes, I mean obviously we live in a world where where money matters. So if the NIL should be is a part of is a part of your decision tree your decision pie. That's fine, but at the end of the day, you want to go someplace where you're going to be developed as a person. You're going to be developed as a as a as a as a um, as an as a as an athlete, developed as a student athlete, and then you want to be someplace where you're going to be on the field and compete, and also going to be a place where you have a great relationship with your position coach your offensive coordinator. So don't lose sight of those things when it comes to NFL. Because I think those things should still be the most and the fundamental things. And if all things are equal, I would go to the place where um, better coaching, better chance to get on the field, better competition, better schedule and all that stuff. So that would be my kind of my answer, how I'd attack it. And I think once again, you know, that goes back to keeping the main thing, the main thing. Um, but for a lot of athletes, that might be tough. They might not have uh, a pro career ahead of them. This may be the most they're going to be able to really uh, create an income for themselves with, with football, uh, whether or not they even know that, you know, there's, there's different levels of demand for Bryce. There's such a high level of demand. You talked about turning down more deals than you've done it can also play into pressure. There's a lot of pressure already to be great on the field, um, to yeah. you know win a national championship. How do you make sure you don't do so much NIL that now you have pressure tied to your NIL deals that only creates more pressure? You know, how do you, how do you once again, keep these things divided, make it a complementary thing, NIL a complementary thing to this, this already high pressure role of being the quarterback in Alabama? Another great question. Um, one, just to be really honest with you, um, if you're the quarterback at a at a major Power Five, you're um, Alabama, you know Alabama, Ohio State, Oklahoma, SC, Georgia, going on. The pressure's there no matter what. <laughs> NIL deal notwithstanding, I mean the pressure and the expectations are off the charts. So that kind of comes. And a lot of these quarterbacks, um, especially the newer ones, which I know you know this, have been an elite seven on sevens, um, have been um, have their own YouTube channels, have this huge social media following. And so they're well known now and they're used to kind of the, they're used to the pressure um, 
at an early age. So the NIL is almost a natural transition, but however, I think what's more appropriate is how do you make sure NIL does not negatively impact performance? And I think that's really what we're, what we're after. And I think to answer that question, you make sure that the main thing is the main thing. You make sure that you're scheduled and that uh, uh, an NIL or a sponsorship opportunity never ever conflicts with anything having to do with football or academics. And then also you wanna make sure that you're not doing anything that takes, um, that takes away from the team or puts the team in a negative light. And then also you just wanna make sure that you're a great teammate and that you're, cool, that, you're um, that everybody around the building knows who you are, that you're that CEO of the company. And then um, and I think when that happens and you're doing the right things, then um, if you have a negative performance or, or if something goes wrong, it's, it's, it's less about what the NIL was versus just taking for what it was, it's a bad game, bad day. But if you make sure you do those things and um, NIL is never viewed as a distraction or something that's, that you put in for the team, then you're fine. I don't think that it adds in. I, I honestly don't think it adds any more pressure. You know how in professional sports, they always say the contract year is the best performing year. Do you think there's a chance? I mean, we know the benefits of NIL, financial literacy and, you know, and, and things of that nature. But do you think possibly um, you're going to see better performances because, you know, kids are a little more dialed in? I mean, there's a, there's another reason, you know, to perform on the field, actually. Um, that is, I, you know what? I've never thought about that. Um, I think the people, I think the, the players that would perform well and that would garner NIL contracts would kind of perform well anyway, to be honest with you. I think that, um, I don't think that the, and I, I don't think that the, when players were out there making the field, and I know to talk to Bryce, like he's not, I got a ball out so I can get my, so I can get my NIL numbers up so I can get, so I can get some more deals. The athletes that I've been around, it's just not really wired that I think they know. Um, I think they know that it is a that potentially a byproduct of performing well and having it would be maybe some more NI opportunities. But I don't know if that would be a, a, a primary motivator for for a lot of the college athletes. Because I think when you're at that level and performing at that level, um, there's a lot of pride. There's a lot of competitive nature, and I think that wins out. And then I think the performance, as rightfully show as rightfully is this motivate is, is rewarded because of that. Craig, there's really two camps when it comes to um, how much media coverage and idea NAL deals should get, you know, there's, there's one camp that says, you know, all this data should be public and, you know, it can help us value the market better. And, you know, obviously transactions have to be reported to compliance as part of just about every NIL policy at every school. Then there's this other camp saying, Hey, when pro athletes or celebrities do something with their name, image, and likeness, like it's FERPA protected, like they don't have to report it to anybody. Uh, we don't know what Aaron Rodgers' deal is with State Farm. Like that's his info for him. Like, what's your thoughts on media coverage and just data sharing in general when it comes to NIL deals at the college level? I understand the curiosity because this is new. This is this is new. This is um, uh, this is a, par a paradigm uh, shift. And it's something that gets people excited and, and a lot of people have manipulated for different ways. Um, I do think that um, I kind of am on, on the camp that um, I, I think the numbers are not, are not as significant. 
um, that not necessarily now the partnership. Um, I think that that's fine. I think that that that, that partnership is being um, a player gets a partnership with another brand and that's and that's um, advertised. I think that that's fine. I think that's a, one. That's what the brands want. <laughs> the brands don't mind the publicity. And for the players um, and the families, they don't they don't they don't mind that. And let's be frank, the universities don't mind it because that is that that can sometimes be a recruiting tool. Like, look, um, look what our players are doing as, as when they come here. So um, I think a lot of people get secondary benefits from that. But I just don't think that really the numbers are and how much someone's getting and all that stuff. That part, I don't know if that's um, if that's necessary, but I don't feel I'm not I don't feel strongly either way. I, cause I can see both sides of it. So um, I'm just wondering if we'll ever if what will be like five years from now. Will this be, will after kind of after kind of this dies down and becomes more commonplace? Will will the interest be there as much? Craig, when uh, I guess that's a question for you guys. When when uh, Jim said that you were going to be our guest, I got to admit, I was I was excited. I, I started writing down all these questions that had nothing to do with NIL. So I have two older children, but I have another by the apple because I'm a second and third grader. Two boys. You you and your wife have done an amazing job parenting, and so I want to turn this for a hot minute and ask some parenting questions of young athletes. Okay. Ooh. First thing, just real simple, Sh share your playbook, you know, on how to how to raise, how to mentor, you know, really young athletes. You know, we're talking the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth grade, pre-high school. You know, you, you guys were just, I mean, y'all knocked it out of the park, and, and that's been well documented. You know, share share with our, our listeners, you know, some of the things that you did that worked well. Um, we'd love to hear them. Okay, first and foremost, and this is easier said than done, um, but you really have to, this is important. You, your young athlete has to know that they are unconditionally loved, regardless of results. And that's easier said than done. And I've heard parents say, of course, of course. But then after, after a game and there's a result that they don't like, in that car, they don't, that kid doesn't feel that love. So um, parent, the, the, the young athlete has to feel that they are unconditionally loved irrespective of result. Because what that does is that, uh, because sometimes when, when, when they're so caught up on the result, it limits them and they're, um, they're, they're less inclined to take risks. And that means um, I'm out there playing and maybe, you know, maybe I won't make this throw. Maybe I won't shoot this shot. Maybe because if it doesn't, if it if it doesn't work out, I'm gonna yell at my coach and I'm gonna yell at my dad or mom, and 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 that limits me. Because as a young athlete, that's when you want them to to make the mistakes. That's when you want outside of the box. That's when you want them to um, to try things. But oftentimes we're over coaching and over analyzing, and it paralyzes them. And it paralyzes them. How how does that change? you know, as they get older, you know, when it's, when you know, you're taking a little bit of a backseat as a parent, you know, sophomore, junior year in high school, you know, what are, what are some things that you guys did or some things you did wrong, um, oh. you know, in that process? Shoot, how much time do you have for the things I did wrong? <laughs> that's, a, that, that's, that's a whole other podcast. But um, at a certain point, 
especially when Bryce kind of came to his sophomore year, um, it can't really be about you pushing your expectations and living vicariously or um, kind of like trying to will them into doing something that they don't want to do. At this point, it has to be their decision and their love for their, for their sport. And then from there, it becomes more of a partnership. Okay, um, what can we do to get better? How can I help you to get better? Let's process, let's talk about the game, let's talk about our plan, let's talk about what you wanna do um, moving forward, how can, we, how can we get you there? More collaborative. And then also um, having that dialogue with the coaches. And, and if you have, and if you have um, trainers or anything that's involved, Having, having everyone on the same page about what is the direction and what we're trying to do and what we're trying to accomplish. Um, that's, that's really, really important. And also, as a parent, here's the one that hurts, there's a bunch of them. You have to be okay with feedback and not just the feedback that you want because you can't get better if you don't, if you don't really embrace the things that you need to improve on. And, and if someone tells you that your kid needs to improve and you're automatically defensive and then you're ready to attack the coach, then you're using the opportunity to, to get better. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's kind of a, uh, you know, catch 22 though. Right. Because you talk about how serious, um, and, and advanced some of the brands that you've been able to see Bryce play for were both the travel team you mentioned. And then of course, modern day, um, how do you balance how serious it is, especially nowadays, especially down here where we're, we are Craig, Alabama, but, out in California where you are, it's very serious at a very young age. So how do you balance these things where results do matter, but at the same time, you're loved unconditionally. And if you want to shorten the gap of perfection, here's how you work and do it. Like, how do you kind of work through that? Cause you, you, you have to compartmentalize and um, there's times to be serious. Like when, when it's game time, that's time to be serious. When, um, when it's time to train, that's time to be serious. When it's time to go to the film room, that's time to be serious. When that is over, when those games are over, then there's time. Then that's where the balance comes in. We talked about the result. We talked about what happened. We talked about what needs to be better. And then now let's go watch a movie. Now let's go watch another sport. Now let's go to dinner. Um, now let's go to your go to your, um, go to your little brother, your little sister's game. Now let's talk about homework, or let's talk about what's going on in the world, like. Making sure that they know that you're, you're t- the totality of your exist of your experience with them just doesn't revolve revolve around that sport, and then from there, being okay with um, where your kid, where your young adult is at. Um, there's different levels, and everybody's not going to play at Alabama. Everybody's not going to play at the SEC, and I think a, a lot of times with those. You know where that seriousness and that angst comes from? It comes from expectations that are unrealized. And sometimes those expectations are the parents' expectations that they're projecting on the kid. So you want to make sure that what you're expecting is in line with where your kid is at and where your youngster's athletic ability is. And I think that's sometimes that's where the disconnect is. So I guess as we're wrapping up here, just uh, kind of one off-topic question. You know, Bryce obviously had an amazing year last year what how do you think he's developed from from last year's experience and you know is you know what's different what are we going to see you know in his game what did he learn from from last year what i'm so proud of for him 
was the way he attacked this offseason. And obviously, he's always been a hard worker, and he's always been focused and dedicated. But I'm going to tell you guys a little story. He's probably not going to be mad that I tell you the story. So um, during that little break, we kind of scheduled a family. It was like a surprise. We scheduled this family vacation. We were going to go to Hawaii. And it was supposed to be this time where we were going to um, do something just to relax as a family. And Bryce was like, love you guys, and I appreciate it. Not going. I was like, what do you mean you're not going? I said, it's just, it's just a couple of days. It's like, well, I have my quarterback coach. I have a workout. I have this. And I'm not going to miss a day of workout this offseason. So you guys go ahead. Send me pictures. I'm staying. And that is how he attacked this offseason. We talk about NIL. We talk about he has some resources and all that stuff. Um, none of that. All he did was dedicated himself to training in the offseason. And also, he also dedicated himself to being a um, more of a more of a vocal leader, but vocal in the way not yet, but more of a vocal leader where you're really communicating the message and really communicating um, the expectations and holding um, players accountable and also holding himself accountable. And then um, just the way he threw the ball this offseason and, and gained some weight and all those things. So he's done everything that he could do to get himself ready for this offseason. Um, so I'm very, very, I'm very, very excited. I, I can't wait. I think the um, fans are going to be really, um, Alabama supporters are going to be very excited with, with the season. It's outstanding. Trent Dilfer, who we had on last week, had some incredible things to say about him uh, and some of the work that he's done. So um, great, great story. Love Trent. Love the Elite 11 guys. Big part of his development. Yeah. Um, unbelievable knowledge you dropped with us today. Um, you know, the... The don't hurry, the trust advisors, the goal, the line lined. I mean, you you really you really shared some really good stuff, and we really appreciate you um, telling us, you know, how you guys did it. I know we're all learning, and and that's what this platform's all about. It's my it's my pleasure to be here. Jim's a great friend of mine, um, and um, means a lot to our family. And like I told you, Shannon, been a big fan, and the way that on three is developing. You guys are doing great work, so thank you for having me. Thank you, sir. Thanks a lot, Craig. No problem. Appreciate it. We appreciate you tuning in to the Lever Up podcast, available right now on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So make sure you subscribe, and make sure you subscribe to both the On3 and Influencer YouTube channels, where you can catch all the video content, cut-ups, mash-ups, from all of the Lever Up podcasts. And of course, follow us on Twitter and Instagram as well at On3 and at Influencer. Thank you so much for tuning in today and stay tuned for more great guests to come on the Lever Up podcast.